Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is Computer Talk with Tab, hosted by Eric Semmel of Tab Computer Systems. Interact with Eric and his guest by phone at 522-WTIC or 1-800-966-WTIC. Email them in the studio at gethelpattabinc.com or get help anytime at computertalkwithtab.com. Now, here's Eric. And good morning. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. Hello, Bob. And we're going to be here till 11. So feel free to get online, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. Bob is Bob Shorey. He's one of the MCSEs at uh, Tab. He comes in and helps me out with your computer problems, comments, questions, and concerns. Of course, we are trying to broadcast live over at uh, WTIC's Facebook page. It seems to be up and running, which is good. You never know the cloud, as you guys all experienced on Wednesday. Right, Wednesday was a huge outage of the interwebs. Uh, Amazon, AWS, that little smirking guy, you know, at Amazon, a little smirk on his face. Well, man, I was pretty upset with him yesterday on Wednesday morning, as many of you might have been as well. Um, they had a huge outage in the uh, in a major data center. Oh yes, the cloud is a data center, guys. It's other people's servers. And that outage hit many, many, many different cloudy systems. Uh, Athena was down. If you happen to work in the healthcare industry and you know Athena, well, guess what? You couldn't log in. Uh, many, many IT companies couldn't use their technologies as well. Uh, a lot of them are linked to, guess what? Amazon Web Services. And, of course, you hitched your wagon to Amazon Web because somebody told you about, oh, I don't know, cloud-based redundancy and, and backup systems and five nines of uptime, nine nine point nine nine nine. It just doesn't go down, guys, right? That's why you pay for the web. That's why you pay that premium, Bob, because you don't want to go down. And you have all your IT guys you let go because you didn't want to manage them yourself. So you hoped that some cloudy website will keep you up and running. Guess what? It went down, and there was no redundancy, no failover. You were just down. Thanks, Amazon. I, I think that little schmirk needs to go away. Um, it was ridiculous, but it is typical, right? I know people keep telling you about the cloud being the, the, the be-all and the end-all. Um, heck, Microsoft 365 suffered two massive outages in October. Uh, you, 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 couldn't write a, you couldn't write a Word document because you couldn't get to, to the cloud. I couldn't vacuum my, my house. As of, as of Thanksgiving morning, my, my little robot... Wouldn't do his job because Amazon was still dealing with these outages and the robot couldn't go out and get the stupid map of my house, which happens to be on the cloud. Why it's not on my app is beyond me. But how many 
Well, it was Thanksgiving Day. Your Roomba wanted the day off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, let's run this. Let's run this sucker. Get the place cleaned up. But nope, uh, couldn't do it because the web was down. Um, so again, I'll, I'll put a link up here for you guys. But all this, all the cloud is is somebody else's servers, and only takes. And, and clearly, what they're doing as far as redundancy and backup is not quite there. Um, not surprised. So we'll put the link up here for you guys to look at, and uh, the, the some of the articles are out there. Even the Washington Post which is an Amazon-owned company, owned by Be- Be- Bezos, I should say, was pretty critical of Amazon going down to a point. Um, but I'll put a, a link up there for you guys. What do you got, Bob? Oh, yeah. This one you like. Yeah? DoorDash. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a company that, uh, you know, let's say you get the DoorDash app and you want to order some food delivered yeah. to your house. Right, of course. Because, you, know, you know, everybody's staying at home now, working it from home I've remotely. T- I tried it once until I read 30% of the DoorDash drivers actually sample your food. Well, I didn't hear 30%. that. 30%. They admitted it in their own, <laughs> own survey. I was like, you know, that's kind of <laughs> gross. But go ahead. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, DoorDash settles lawsuit for two and a half million over deceptive print tipping practices. Ah, really? The food delivery company allegedly led customers to believe their tips were going to delivery workers when the company was pocketing the money itself. Ah. DoorDash agreed on Tuesday to pay two and a half million dollars to settle a lawsuit alleging it misled customers about its tipping policy for drivers. Right, you think you're tipping the driver. You're actually tipping DoorDash. Because ah. <laughs> actually, they gave the tip to the driver that they just lowered the delivery fee. <laughs> right. Which, again, the driver is right where he started again. Their right. Plans so he, if he was going to get a certain amount. Right. He got that amount, but he didn't get the tip. Right. <laughs> so, Cheesy. Anyway, the agreement brings to close a debacle that began nearly two years ago, which led to customer backlash, worker grievances, and the lawsuit brought by Racine. Racine was one of the people involved. His name is Racine? No, it's R-A-C-I-N-E. All right. Okay. Yep. Uh, San Francisco, I'm I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today's settlement rights a wrong that deceived D.C. customers and uh, Washington, D.C. Yeah, of course. And uh, deprived workers of monies that they should have been paid. Right. Racine, that's the guy's name. All right, that's fine. Said in a statement. (laughs) I know Racine, Wisconsin is spelled the same way. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So the law applies to these gig economy companies just as it does to their brick-and-mortar counterparts. Of course. You, gig- can't, you can't deceive your people. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> of course it applies to them the same way. The gig economy, which includes delivery companies like DoorDash, Instacart, and Postmates, and ride-hailing companies like Uber and Lyft, right. have been under fire for not doing enough to protect workers. Lawsuits have been filed against... Uh, uh, um, Instacart and Uber over their tipping policies. Several other suits have been brought over the company's classification of their workers as independent contractors. We've been covering that. We've been covering that. And I don't don't agree with that. They they should stay independent workers. That's fine. But they shouldn't be ripped off by the app. No. No. Well, it's not the app that's ripping them off. (laughs) Well, the company wrote the app. Yeah, the company's ripping them off. Anyway, there's more to this. But but the moral of the story is, if you're going to use DoorDash, give the guy or gal... A uh, the old-fashioned paper money tip, you know. I mean, you probably don't have any paper money in your pocket if you're a millennial using DoorDash. <laughs> you're like paper money? What's that? Can I Venmo it to him? <laughs> greed is greed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there. All right, so that's going on. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up? 
Uh, I've got one here we were talking about. I didn't think it was uh, apropos, but we can talk about it. I thought it. it was interesting. We can talk about it. So Apple Defense Security Chief accused of offering bribes of iPads for gun permits. Oh, boy. The alleged scheme involved donating, this is a lot of money. Yeah. 200 iPads worth $70,000 to a sheriff's department in exchange for concealed carry permits. You know you got problems with the Second Amendment when you got to bribe somebody with iPads to get a gun permit. That's crazy. So Apple defended its security chief officer after he was charged with bribery for allegedly offering to donate hundreds of iPads to the Santa Clara County Sheriff's Office. They defended him, huh? In exchange for concealed carry weapons permits for Apple employees. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thomas Moyer, Apple's head of global security, was indicted last week as part of a two-year investigation into the sheriff's office. The Santa Clara County District Attorney's Office said Monday, Moyer allegedly agreed to donate 200 iPads worth $70,000. 70 grand. This is to get an Apple employee's gun permits. Four of them. Four? Four. To the sheriff's office in exchange for four permits that have been withheld from Apple employees. The DA's office said in a statement, Apple is headquartered in Santa Clara County Santa at the Clara. heart of Silicon Valley. Yeah. He did nothing wrong and has, <laughs> really? and has acted with the highest integrity throughout his career, Moyer's lawyer, Ed Swanson, said in a statement. <laughs> we have no doubt he will be acquitted at trial. Ah. This sounds like a political... Uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's, you know, the language here. So they're saying, go ahead and get Apple employees gun permits at any cost, even if you have to use overpriced iPads. <laughs> well, I don't know if you know anything about the gun permits, but in California... Unless you're very, very rich, you are not getting one. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, interesting. Well, I guess you got to do what you got to do. And Second Apple's Amendment defending doesn't it. exist. That's a Second Amendment free zone. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another one for you guys. Microsoft 365 feature lets companies spy on employees, says report. So yes, there's a there's a new technology that's been turned on with part of part of Microsoft 365 that allows companies to spy on employees. Now the word spy is not fair because if you're working for a company, they want to keep an eye on what you're doing. And of course during the COVID pandemic, you're at home, you know, you got the dog banging around, the kids are banging around the house, the TV's on, you're watching the prices right, and you're trying to go ahead and do your work. And what's happening here is 365 has a feature a productivity score feature, uh, which is promoted as providing an aggregated data on how organizations are performing and can be used by managers to monitor individual employees. Sorry, guys. Uh, I don't have a problem with this. It's not spying. It's, you know, it's just a company saying, are you working? I really can't tell based on your output. Uh, so they'll, let, they'll figure out based on your how many emails you're sending, how much Word documents you're processing. Um, and it's funny, the millennials are out there all pushing for the cloud and the 365. And then when they find out their company is going to be able to track their their actual productivity down to how many pages they typed, they might be careful what you wish for. Um, but it is out here. I'll put a link up here. This is from The Guardian, which is a uh, English paper. Um, but they use it as spying, which it's not spying. Your, your company you're working for is wondering if you're doing work. <laughs> well, you know, before we had the digital age, before yeah. we had computers... 
It was called Supervision. Supervision. Oh, well, we don't do Supervision anymore. Um, <laughs> so this is a tool, and there's lots of companies out there looking for tools like this because with the pandemic and people working from home, there's going to be an awful lot of technology that's going to be loaded in order to figure out whether or not you're working or not or watching the prices right. So we'll put a link up here for you guys to read this story. Um, and one of those things, you know, be careful what you wish for. Uh, technology is going to continue to track our every move and your and your company is not spying on you they're just supervising so we'll put a link to that we're going to be here until 11 o'clock it is after thanksgiving we are here live feel free to get online 800-966-WTIC 522-WTIC if you can hear the leaf blowers in the background just consider it you know the seasons the, we're not living in the hermetically we're not in the uh in the farmington studios which are super you know, quiet, soundproof. soundproof. We're literally in the hermetically sealed studios here uh, at Tab Computer Systems in East Hartford where they are blowing leaves like crazy. So if you hear that, I apologize. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. And I'm Beth. And we have four lines open for you. Feel free to get online, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. We'll do our best to help you out with your computer problems, comments, questions, and, and concerns. As we wait for your calls, you guys probably saw this, the uh, the uh, study by the Connecticut, the Connecticut Center for Economic Analysis at UConn. And they said, you know, we're not going to come back or, or get back. We're going to be struggling until 2030. Now, as far as I'm concerned, we've been struggling since 1992, um, but that is what it is. Uh, but they're saying until 2030. So maybe you guys are out there shopping small, which is great. It's Saturday, uh, small business shopping day here. So get out there and shop small. Shop local um, because when you're going and buying things from Amazon, you're not helping anybody here in Connecticut um, except for the folks that are in the warehouse, which, hey, it's great. But uh, it doesn't do a lot for the uh, economy here in Connecticut, which is going to be decimated. Um, I mean, this study by UConn, 30 years before we, as we struggle, is kind of an oxymoron. Again, if you've lived here as long as I have, you struggle in Connecticut is pretty much what we do. Um, but uh, I think <laughs> I think we're going to need to do something about that and get out and shop small. And uh, it was a perfect little alarm there, Bob, for your phone. <laughs> alert, alert. <laughs> Iceberg ahead. Uh, so get out there and shop small and uh, help help the economy here in Connecticut. Do whatever you can do and get out there and, and help. We were out, my wife and I were out shopping small yesterday afternoon and uh, stopped at a, a couple of local stores and did some shopping. So please, please get out there. Um, do you want to bring anything else while we're waiting for calls? Uh, I, I can. Okay, yeah. here we go. Sure. Starlink, we talked about this last week. Yeah. Star, uh, SpaceX Starlink launch sets record for workhorse Falcon 9 rocket. So they were going to do it, now they did do it. Well, it got postponed. They were supposed to have two launches on the same day. Yeah. But one launch went up, and then they had to wait because of weather two, another two days yep. and other uh, technical uh, issues, if you will. Yeah. But anyway, SpaceX, SpaceX launched the 16th batch of its Starlink broadband satellites from Cape Canaveral in Florida Tuesday night, setting a record for its Falcon 9 rockets. Yeah. Boosting a new group of orbiting uh, routers has become a matter of routine for Elon Musk's rocket company as it works to build up a mega constellation with thousands of the individual satellites in a low-Earth orbit. Yeah, they're little routers. That does make sense. That's what they are. But this, little, but this mission <laughs> puts a new feather in uh, Musk's cap. Yeah. The first stage of the Falcon 9 made its seventh flight and landing, which is a new milestone for rocket recycling for the company. Wow. 
The booster previously flew on four Starlink missions and a pair of larger telecom satellite launches. Yep. SpaceX landed the booster on the drone ship. Get this name. Of course I still love you. Yeah, we've heard about that one. In the Atlantic shortly after the launch (laughs) and was set to attempt to catch the two halves of the nose cone or fairing with another pair of ships. The fairing halves were also recycled, with one making its second flight and the other its third. I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, obviously they've been reusing the technology and it's worked out well. I mean, I just remember Challenger. When it when it went in eighty four eighty five I remember 80, yeah I think it was eighty six eighty six yeah. I, I remember being there watching it and uh, how crazy it was and if that little O ring was the issue and these guys are reusing parts just makes me a little nervous for those yeah. astronauts um, well the O ring was a, was a problem and they knew it was a problem yeah but they figured they could roll the dice I don't know about you want to roll in the dice if you're well, an astronaut yeah I don't think the the uh, seven astronauts that didn't make it right. Knew about it. that? Probably not. Well, it's great. I mean, uh, you know, SpaceX is doing doing tremendous. That's awesome. And uh, you know, we're going to get internet from Elon. We're going to get our electric cars from Elon. We'll get internet from Elon. We'll go to the moon thanks to Elon. We're going to go to Mars thanks to yeah. Elon. <laughs> All right. Well, well I'm, sure, I'm sure it's going to be great. Yeah, they made a movie about that. <laughs> As we still wait for your calls, I know it's uh, it's the Saturday after our holiday. You're all out there doing your thing. Feel free to get online, 800-966-WTIC-522-WTIC. Uh, in other news, this is kind of a funny one. So Crime Ring stole thousands of Facebook passwords and then forgot to use a password to lock up the information they stole. So researchers came across uh, stolen user data in logs stored on where? A cloudy server. It's offline now. The crime operation appears to have tricked hundreds of thousands of Facebook users into handing over their account passwords. The fraudsters then exposed their own operation by making a basic security mistake. They forgot to lock down the cloud database. Now, we've heard this all the time with big companies, but even the bad guys don't lock their stuff up. So the way they were tricking you to even get your password, which you might find interesting, is they were trying to put out they were trying. They were telling people that you could figure out who looked at your Facebook page, which is kind of obviously. It's like, geez, I wonder who's checking me out, kind of thing. With LinkedIn, you can see that by default. It's a feature of LinkedIn as far as who might be interested in your in your profile, as far as jobs or what have you. With Facebook, they don't show you that um, who might be looking at your your profile. And so these guys put out uh, a link saying, "Hey, would you want to see who looked at your Facebook profile?" And people would click on it. And they'd have to put in their credentials. They'd have to say, okay, log in. <laughs> and guess what? They stole your, your Facebook credentials. Um, so, again, be very careful of phishing schemes like that. I mean, I'm not sure how they delivered the scheme to folks. They might have emailed you. They might have done something through an ad. Who knows what they did to, to trick people into doing it. But they put it out there and said, uh, you know, go ahead and log in and enter your information. And we'll show you who's been looking at your Facebook profile. And clearly, hundreds of thousands of people were interested in that. Um, and, of course, without them not locking it down, we wouldn't have known that they had stolen all of these credentials. So be careful out there. If it's if it's one of those types of links, it's probably the bad guys trying to get your information. Um, all right. Let's see what's going on. Anything on the line, Bob? Why don't you refresh that screen for us, see if anybody's on the on the line. There's, yeah, we got. All yeah, right. Let's Alan go to Alan Avon. What's going on, Al? Hey, guys. Morning. I, morning. I, I called about three weeks ago. And- Uh-oh. Is this a complaint? No, no, I... I <laughs> the complaint I a, department's open on Monday, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. 
got a uh, feature update on the uh, Windows 10. All right. And I got all the way to the second update, which is uh, the most current. I guess it's 20H2. That's right. correct. Yep. Yep. And then everything went to hell in a handbasket. Oh, boy. Literally. I had to wipe the machine clean. I could not log in with my PIN for the... Uh, all right, so I guess I got a question for you. Before you go further, as far as that horror story, what advice did we give you? Did we tell you not to do it? No. Oh. Because you said, uh, I said this should be a no sweat a few yeah. minutes on a Saturday, and mm-hmm. you guys said, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> that's, what you, that's what I remember. And okay. It certainly wasn't. It was a nightmare. Oh. Anyway, I... I'm back up with Windows version 1909. Oh, back where you started. Yeah. Now, when when I go back to my settings, it's got here uh, feature update to Windows 10 version 20H2 is, is ready to download and install. Right. My question is, what happened to... 20H1 now, which is the new uh, nomenclature. No, there's no 20H1. So you had 1909 was prior. That was from last year. The first update of this year, which was a disaster, was 2004. So 2004 was a disaster, and they actually pulled it back and then re-released it, and uh, they were still having problems with it. Yeah, that's what happened to me. That re-release is what bombed out my machine, it seems. So it's 20H2 is what they're calling the latest release, which stands for 20 second half. (laughs) Right, right. right. The the October uh, release, basically. Correct. Now... Does that 20H2 have everything I need for the whole year, which includes the spring feature update, which went to... Yes. It'll have it'll have whatever t- 2004 had that worked. <laughs> yeah, it'll have in, that. In H2. So, so, yeah. so there's only one feature update this year, right. and it's 20H2 then. No, there's no. two. There's 2004 and 20H2. Well, I yeah. don't have 2004. I, I only have H2. You don't need the old one. It's part of, It's going to be rolled up into it, H2. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, H2 now, supersedes 04. And we're coming up against a hard break here. I, don't, I didn't hear the outro music, but I got a feeling Matt's saying, break, break, break. So we got to step out for a breakout. But hope you want to hold on further? or you, uh, is No, your question? no. That, that should do it then. If it's rolled into the H2, then I'm all set. Is what it is. Saying. All right. Good luck, Al. All right. Thanks. Yeah, bye-bye. bye-bye. We'll be right back. Little birdie, why do you fly upside down? It's amazing that the way you get around. And we are back. One of my favorite holiday tunes. This is Computer Talk with Tab. We are here till 11 o'clock. We have two lines open for you. Feel free to get online, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. We'll do our best to take your computer comments, questions, and concerns. And we are in the hermetically sealed studios here in uh, East Hartford at Tab Computer Systems. But it's hermetically sealed. It is not soundproofed. So hopefully you don't hear the leaf blowers going outside. (laughs) It's not us. Uh, Let's go to your calls. We're going to go to Jason in Bristol next. What's going on, Jason? 
How you doing? Good. How are you, sir? Good. I'm looking to cut the cable. You know, yeah. cut this uh, bill down uh, from 250 a month to whatever, <laughs> and get it down to 250 a month. Luxury car payment levels. <laughs> Yikes. So, what do you suggest um, besides like a smart TV? Um, I don't recommend a smart TV. No. No. If you can avoid running your uh, your graph your apps on the smart TV, I think you'll be happier. Um, I would tell you to focus on getting a good TV, and it might have smart capabilities built in these days, whether you like them or not, but you don't need to connect them. Um, I would recommend using an NVIDIA Shield as your streaming device. It's a little bit larger than a deck of cards, and NVIDIA is the biggest name in, in uh, graphics processors and, and production. It's, it, it's a no-brainer. It's going to upscale anything you're downloading from any of the apps you use, you're going to literally load the apps on this little device. And the beauty is you can take it with you. So if you go to a hotel and you don't want to watch their thing, you plug your little shield into the uh, HDMI of the hotel screen, boom, you watch your stuff. Uh, you can take, you take your, your entertainment with you. So I'm not a big fan of it on the uh, actual TV because the TVs, I don't think they do a good job of that side of the equation. They do a great job at the display side, but the app side just seems to be a mess to me. Okay. Now, right now, I have about 330 MBPSs. Is that too much for? It's way, yeah, way more than you need. Way more than you need. You do fine. How many people in your family? Four. Four people. You'll do fine with if you can get it down to half that, 150 megabits. It'll probably save you some money too. Okay. Um, now, doing because of schooling, they're doing everything online. Yeah. Um, that that's going to be soon enough for her. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all web-based stuff. So, you know, she's using like a Google, probably a Google Cloud type of school interface there. Exactly, yes, sir. Yeah. So that'll be fine. You don't need a lot of bandwidth to do those things, believe it or not. You do need more bandwidth. If everybody wanted to stream a 4K movie at the same time, then you might have some issues. Uh, but even that's pretty rare. I mean, you guys hopefully are a family. You're not going to be all in your own individual rooms. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree. Um, but 150 megabits should be plenty of space. I mean, there's companies out there offering uh, high-speed internet like that uh, that are alternatives. If you live in West Hartford or Newington, if you go look, uh, there's a company called GoNetSpeed that's out there putting in fiber technology uh, for 50 bucks a month, 150 megabits up and down, guaranteed for life, no overages. Wow. That's the way to go. So check to see if it's available in your neighborhood, and then you can really cut the cable. I guess they were trying to fight it in this town, so. Fight it? Yeah, fight it. Yeah. Who? What? Yeah, Who's so, they? Uh, I think the politics. Politicians don't want high speed internet. That would sound exactly like Connecticut. Bristol doesn't yeah. want. I don't think that makes any sense. Uh, they uh, wouldn't do that. I, they I might be fighting online. Yeah, most likely they could be fighting what's called municipal cable. So municipal cable, it would be like you know you get the water department in Bristol, right, giving you the water. Yeah. Right, and then they would want to get into cable t cable service, internet service. And there's, I can see some positives and some negatives. Um, you know, most governments don't do anything really well. So I don't know that I'd, if you had an alternative to your own municipal cable and you could get a private company like GoNetSpeed to implement, you're, it's a win. Having the town do it, again, if you look at any board of education's uh, IT department, they're outsourcing companies like us to support them. So if they're outsourcing companies like us to help their internal IT departments anyways, why would they want to do their own Internet service? They're going to end up outsourcing the support of it anyways. So 
true. get a get a private company. That might be what they were fighting in Bristol, if I had to guess. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah, you're welcome. Imagine what your taxes would be, though. I mean, you know, you, we want competition here in Connecticut for broadband, um, and if if they can come up with a price that makes sense, but if you can if you can offer municipal broadband uh, for fifty bucks as a town, that's great. Now we've had Whip City Fiber on here. Right, Whip City Fiber was uh, where were they at? There, Massachusetts, um, Westfield, Westfield, Mass. Yep, Buggy Whip Capital of the World, and they have got municipal fiber because they're also a power company. They started as a power company, so they already got the infrastructure. So they didn't have to worry about the poles. Yeah, they already <laughs> own the poles. So, I mean, Wallingford to me seems like the perfect place to do municipal fiber, or municipal broadband, because you already have a tremendous electric company there. Um, but anywhere else in Connecticut, you want a, you want a private entity, I would think. Um, let's go on. Who else is on the line there, Bob? Uh, let's see. We have. We will go to Andrew in Glastonbury next. What's going on, Andrew? Hello. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, you sure. have a great show. Thanks. There was an old saying that uh, you will always be at the mercy of the experts. So my question is. Uh, given the accusations that the election machines used by many states uh, to count the votes in our recent presidential election, that these machines were rigged. So how easy or how difficult will it be for computer software experts to uh, determine whether the software was rigged or not? Ah, great question. I, I mean, anything that's uh, running with a computer program is hackable. So as far as determining whether it was rigged or not would be a matter of the courts mandating folks get in there and do some sort of forensic uh, cyber study of some kind to see if it was or was not. How difficult that would be is really dependent upon the folks that are going in and doing it. But the technology, any time you run any kind of computer-related anything, has the possibility of being messed with. But I don't know if it was. So I mean, guess- if they asked if they asked you to come and, and, and examine the machine, examine the software, would you guys be able to uh, determine whether, whether whether the software was rigged or not? You would need experts having to deal with programming. So computer programming is based on languages, and each right. computer language has its own set of rules and requirements. Companies like Tab have long gotten out of the uh, programming business. Um, so you'd need to find someone who's an expert in the particular language that those machines were using to be pro- programmed in and really doing testing. You know, you'd want to see within the application, you wouldn't even need the language itself. You'd really want to see within the features of the program whether or not you can turn things on, turn things off, configure this, configure that. Um, sometimes if they, you know, depending on where the where the uh, cursor goes, there could you could actually find even in software that there's areas on the screen where you click even though there's nothing there. And it opens a browser, it opens a window, it opens a, a menu, right? So you would need to know how to look at that code to see if there's any hidden utilities built into the software. It's just, as far as I'm concerned, these voting machines really shouldn't be used. They should be paper technology, uh, a trackable system that an eighth grader sh- should be able to understand. It shouldn't be some sort of big, big convoluted touchscreen, as far as I'm concerned, um, but a company like us would not have any skill sets there. It really would be you need a specific person who's done work with that language, whatever that language is, and they'd have to have access to something called the source code. The source code is the thing that compiles the final application. 
you can't really look at the application itself unless you want to look within any kind of hidden trap doors, but you would need to look at the source code, which is the language that's put together within its syntax to see if it outputted any kind of backdoors or what have you. So it's a bigger, big job, not some simple thing. And, then, and the company's not going to give it up either. I'm sorry? So it, it, it would be difficult for an for expert computer programmer to, to determine whether, whether, whether the software was rigged or not. Right, and which version did are they looking at? Are they looking at the one that was, you know, do they have any rules that locks the software down as of a specific date? Sounds like these states could change their rules 20 minutes before you start voting. So did they get a new version 20 minutes before you started voting, or did they get a new version six months ago? What's, you know, any kind of update to that software changes it instantly. You know, you, you could look at oh vote, you, you could look at voting machine B and look at voting machine Z. And maybe between the letters of L and P, they updated it to be rigged, and they didn't on the others. How do you know which ones they messed with? So you, they can give you the one they didn't mess with. So who knows? So it wouldn't be an easy task. No, it's not an easy task. It all comes back down to how you can uh, track the output of the machine to confirm how the, the votes were, were put in. I, again, it's a big, big mess. Not something I can solve. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome, Andrew. Sorry. <laughs> so we're going to be here until 11 o'clock, guys. Feel free to get online, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. Four lines wide open on this Saturday after the holidays. I know you're out there shopping small, which is great, so get out there and shop small for Connecticut Small Business because according to UConn, it's going to take till 2030, 2030, until we get out of this mess, thanks to what we've been doing with our approach to the pandemic. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. I'm Bob. And we're here till 11 o'clock. The lines have been a little a little slow this morning. I don't blame you. It's a Saturday after a holiday. But we're here. You know, we rolled out of bed. My alarm went off. Oh, the lines are all built up. <laughs> I, I take it back. You guys are all on the line. Uh, feel free to get online after the calls get through here. We're going to get you right to your calls. You're nice enough to join us on this Saturday morning. Let's go to Dave in Terryville first. What's going on, Dave? Morning, Dave. Are you there? Dave, I can hear you breathing. Are you there, bud? <laughs> Dave, you there? Uh, I'm Marty. Oh, you're Marty. Oh, it looks like uh, Matt picked up the wrong line, but that's okay. That's the way this is working through this pandemic. Go ahead, Marty, in Bloomfield. Oh, okay, yes. I just wanted to uh, respond to your previous caller before the yeah. break there. Sure. Uh, who was inquiring about uh, being able to check on the machines and uh, examine the software and everything. Sure, yeah. Go ahead. There's... A professor from MIT, a Dr. Shiva, uh-huh. he has at least two videos on YouTube All right. where he was examining the uh, voting, mach- voting machines and stuff from Michigan. All right. And it's very enlightening, and I, I would highly recommend that to anybody that uh, has doubts about whether or not the machines were, were good. Oh, sounds good. If you want, Marty, go to our Facebook, go to uh, WTIC's Facebook page, and in the comments of the live stream that we have going on, put a link. I would, I would love to do that, but I, I don't do Facebook. And uh, oh, you're probably better off for it. I'm, <laughs> I'm on the road right now, so right. it wouldn't be possible. But if you can plug that in there, that would be great. I, I so could try. People are aware of it. Yeah, we'll go look it up and see if it makes sense. Sure, Marty. Okay. Well, thank you very much for taking my call and. Uh, my pleasure. Share that info. My pleasure, sir. 
Have a wonderful weekend. Bye you bye. too. Bye-bye. All right, now let's go to Dave in Terryville. You there, Dave? Yes, I am. What's going on, sir? I was there I was there before him. I still am. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Matt picked the wrong line. I called for one and he called for two. It's just what happens, you know. <laughs> We're not on the same page anymore, not being in the studio. In the old days, I actually could pick the lines. My pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a uh, Google Wi-Fi. Um, I guess they call it a honeycomb-type system. All right. Yeah, it's a mesh system is what they call it. Yep. Mesh system, I'm sorry, yes. That's okay. Um, I've had it for about three years. Works great. I've had uh, no issues with it whatsoever. Uh-huh. Um, I also have a, a Arlo uh, camera system for my house. Right. Um, and, and the base station for the Arlo plugs into one of the, I call them pods for the uh, Google Wi-Fi. Sure. Um, last last week, the uh, cameras weren't working, so um, after the proper amount of cursing and and probing and so forth, I right. discovered that it, was, it wasn't getting Wi-Fi. Yep. Um, so from the phone app, you can um, uh, restart any any of the pods, any of the three pods. You can see which, which uh, uh, Wi-Fi is being picked up and so forth. Uh-huh. So when I, hit the re- when I hit the restart, it shut off and it never turned back on, and I haven't been able to turn it back on. Um, I was able to move the Arlo base station to another one of the pods, um, okay. so that's working fine. And, and I got plenty of Wi-Fi in my house. Just wondering if anybody else has ever uh, run into the issue. I haven't uh, taken the dive and called Google yet because I'm just—I yeah. uh, I, got to get my mind in the right frame of mind to be able to do that. Yeah, you're not going to so, speak to anybody, I don't think. Um, I, don't, you... I don't think so. There's a phone number on the bottom of it, and uh, you know that. <laughs> We'll see how that turns out. But I'm just wondering if you had any experience with it or, or have heard any stories or uh, fixes for it. Well, as far as fixes for it, I mean, you'd have to go online and Google um, any kind of troubleshooting you can for those those little pucks there, those little Wi-Fi pucks. Um, yeah. It could just be a failed device. I mean, that happens, sadly, quite often in our business. Um, it might not be right. anything crazy other than it's a, it, it died. Uh, maybe it took a power surge. Who knows? Um, if you're not seeing it at all and you can't rejoin it or factory default it. Right. So if you can't That's do correct. any of those things, yeah, I would just tell you it's dead. And if you don't need the coverage, you just, you know, recycle it or recycle it at your town dump there at the electronics pile and call it a day. Okay. Or you buy another one and get it going. They're not very expensive, those little pods, are they? The whole system, I, I looked it back up, the whole system was like, Six hundred and fifty bucks or something like that. Ooh, oh, that's not too, that's and, like, and like I say, other than this, I've been very, very happy with it. It uh, gives me great coverage, you know, throughout the yeah. house. I've got a, you know, two-story cave with the garage and the, you know, the, the yeah. typical kind of a setup, and uh, I get great coverage um, with it. So I've, I've been very, very happy. And I'm yeah. kind of thinking that's what it is because I tried a different power cord. I tried, you know, several of those different fixes. So I'm kind of thinking that's what it is. But uh, I was hoping that in your wisdom, you had something easy. Yeah, no. The only thing we would tell you to do is factory default it and see if it comes back and if there's there's probably a little button you can press inside it to read you know default it and bring it back to factory fresh if that doesn't do it it's probably dead yeah it does have a reset button on the back and and that also was of no help but okay yeah sorry well i figured uh i'd at least take up some of your time so that uh you know we don't have to have you talk about our kids yeah we're talking about our kids you do not want that (laughs) <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, thanks, Dave. Great. Well, thank you for your help. Our pleasure. All right, Have let's go. Day. You too. Let's go on to uh, South Windsor in terminology. AJ, what's going on, AJ? Morning. Uh, first of all, I may sound a little out of breath because I'm doing laps on the high school track. So. Oh. So my, my question is. Yeah. Is there a distinction between the term 
virus and malware. Yes. And we is could... there a, and, and how could you fix both uh, with any software? I have malware bytes. You do. Well, that's a good way to fix malware and viruses. Uh, you know, malware, there, there's two definitions, and we can probably put links up there to help you go and refer to the how they're described differently. But a virus, um, if you think about a virus, it's, think about the COVID, right? It's, it's a virus that's going to spread, and it's going to yeah. spread on its own or with um, uh, intervention from people who are trying to make it spread. Malware um, is more is different, right? It's it malware is malicious, but it may not damage anything. And it might be something you've asked for, <laughs> unfortunately. Like the Google yeah. toolbar used to be considered malware. Um, you know, you can find all sorts of malware that is just designed to capture data. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah. The terms uh, virus and malware are often used interchangeably. Malware right. is a catch-all term for any type of malicious software, regardless of how it works, right. its intent, or how it's distributed. A virus is a specific type of malware that replicates itself by inserting code into other programs. Yeah, so it works like a virus would work, inserting its code into our bodies. So that's the way I would think of it a little bit. They're, they're, they're are, they can be considered synonymous, but your tool, Malware Bytes, does take care of both of them. Oh, great. Yeah, you're in good shape there. And also, if you run on a clean Internet like uh, OpenDNS, you'll have less chance of being impacted by malware because you're not yeah. going to be able to go to malicious sites. Okay. All right. Now, would, uh, would VPN fix any of that? VPN is a privacy tool. It doesn't fix yeah. any of that. So if you're okay. surfing uh, using a VPN, it makes your surfing – it tries to conceal your surfing from – people who might be interested in figuring out where you're surfing. So if you're surfing okay. in public, like at an airport, right, and you yeah. want it for some crazy reason, you have the, a strong demand to log into your bank account, um, I would highly recommend against it. You want to do it through a VPN, right, so that nobody on the network with you sitting next to you at the airport would be on the same network would have access to try to see what AJ is looking at, right? That's what a VPN yeah. is used for, more of a privacy tool. Um, however... A VPN, you're you're actually browsing on someone else's system, so you you tunnel and pop out somewhere wherever that VPN is going to finally terminate, and then you browse there. So you're hoping the VPN service you chose is not tracking your movements, right? Wouldn't that be awful? A good percentage of VPNs out there are, are written by Chinese companies, and they're written by Chinese companies so they can track their own people, right? That's the that's what the communists do. So seventy percent. Of VPNs that are out there are dangerous. <laughs> so you really need to know who you're working with and what VPN company you want to work with, and you have to assume that they're going to protect your privacy. Some VPNs are so stupid they actually lose your use your local DNS information, which is of course trackable. <laughs> so you don't get any privacy at all as far as where you've been surfing, but you do get the privacy of what you're doing um, through the VPN. So it's a little more. It's not as simple as people think it is. Okay, thanks a lot. I, I really enjoy your show. Learn a lot. Well, thanks, AJ. Are you listening while you're walking? Yes, I am. Well, that's pretty cool. you got to do something. Yeah, I hear you. we got to get out there and do something these days. Yeah. I'm glad, we're, I'm glad we're that something. I'm glad TIC in your pocket is with you and you're in, getting some exercise. Thanks, AJ. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. I want to thank all you guys uh, for joining us. We're going to be here another hour. We have one more hour to go, so hang on. We have one line open for you. 
We've got Danny, Paul, Peter, one line open. Everything we've talked about has been posted live over at computertalkwithtab.com. It's the name of our show.com, which also works. If you follow us on Facebook and follow Tab Computer Systems specifically and you like us, any of these topics will get into your newsfeed if Mark Zuckerberg deems them worthy. And if you've got time for Twitter, you can follow us at Tab Computer Sys on Twitter. We'll be right back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 